Hello and welcome to another episode of Releasing Your Inner Dragon with Drake and Marie. Today, we are actually going to have a different episode. Now, last episode, we promised that we would finish up with punctuation, with scenes and dialogue and so on. But then we looked at the number of episodes that we currently have uploaded and realized that this is our 100th episode. And we felt that that just wouldn't be a suitably epic <laughs> episode for 100. So instead, we will do our punctuation, a follow-up on dialogue tags and so on. But today, we are going to discuss our journey as podcasters, what it has meant for us as writers, as podcasters in terms of marketing and all of the kind of associated things and what you can learn out of it if you want to start getting a social media presence. So with that out of the way, I am Marie Mullaney. I am one of your hosts. I have a YouTube channel called Just In Time Worlds, and I write epic fantasy. And with me today is my par partner in crime. Oh, <laughs> you used to say Drake. <laughs> I'm actually going to Drake, go by Drake. I am a award-winning novelist. Um, Teach writing all over the world. Um, yeah, I write a lot. Before we start, before we start, as always, even for this episode, we need your help. Share, thumbs up, give us five stars. You know, we're we're on platforms that do allow you to give us stars, and stars are always pretty. Five stars. Anything else is just very hard to give. Yeah, it's it's a lot of work if you want to actually try to give less than five stars. Not worth your time. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so I guess um, if we start at the beginning, we met two years ago. Well, actually, I want to start. I want to actually say something before then because okay. I just realized that even after doing this for because it was twenty twenty, wasn't it? So I think it was closer no, to three. No, it was twenty twenty one. It was twenty twenty one. Because 2020, I was still busy right. writing. It was only 2021 where I right. actually moved to to be ready to publishing and started looking for like authors to talk to. <laughs> right. No, you're right because it was like literally not too soon before I was diagnosed with cancer, yep. um, <laughs> which threw a threw a monkey wrench into our entire process. Um, but no, so it's been two years, and I like. I think the the dumbest thing about this entire journey is that we this is a hundredth episode and I still don't know how to introduce myself at the beginning of them. <laughs> like I realized that when I was talking when I was I was like, I've never figured that out. It's always this awkward, like, hey. Um maybe one day I'll figure that one out. But anyway, I just wanted to throw that in there that it, it just made me giggle when I was like, you still have a horrible way of introducing yourself, <laughs> even after 100 episodes. I don't think I've ever done it well. Anyway, let's let's go back two years ago. So two years ago, I reached the end of writing The Hidden Blade. I had decided to self-publish. Um, and so I started reaching out to authors that I might know in a sideways fashion or who would answer an email 
and invite them for interviews on my channel and then try and kind of sneak in a, and would you like a copy of my book to blurb? <laughs> and I, that's how I met James as well. Um, and we hit it off, but uh, not as well as you and I did. When when we had that first interview, we spoke, man, it must have been an hour and a half. Uh, I remember because I cut at that time, I was cutting the episodes on my channel to 20-minute chunks because I was like, I don't think I should go over that. And I had to cut your interview into three chunks to release. <laughs> I talk too much. <laughs> And then you did actually take the book when I said, you know, would you would you mind taking a look at this and so on? And you gave me, first you liked it, which was great, but you also gave me amazing feedback, which I then proceeded to implement in the second book. Um, but it was in that second meeting that we then set up a meeting, I think, for the third meeting. And at the third meeting, I was like, you know, we should do something together. Um, and you were like, yes, I was thinking the same thing, but I can't organize anything. I'm like, well, I'm good at organizing stuff. Actually, my my actual thing was, yes, <laughs> I'm a cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had to explain what that is because that's that's my, and I've, I've said that before on this thing. Um, anytime I do anything like this, I need to have somebody. So the reason why I say I'm a cheeseburger is, you know, I'm a delicious cheeseburger. People love to eat me, but cheeseburgers don't run restaurants. We don't order stock. We don't cash people out. We don't run payroll. Like we are just cheeseburgers. I'm I've in the past, I used to try to be the business. I mean, I did own a, you know, four and a half million dollar computer company that I ran. Hmm. And that was really where I learned a lot of this, of what I'm not good at. Um, and you hear this all the time when you talk about, or if you listen to any type of like, uh, entrepreneur type um, classes or channels where they'll talk about the different types of people and that you want, you know, each one of these. So one is the, I don't remember exactly the terms they use, but, but one is the, you know, the imaginative guy, the inventor, the, the, the one that comes up with the ideas, the idea man, whatever they call them. That's what I am. <laughs> and that's what I'm really good at. And I am terrible at um, just, wrote mundane stuff. I just always have been. And if anything, it that's what hurt my computer business more than anything else, even though it was really successful. It took me a while to kind of understand that I'm just not good at things. And that's a hard thing to do for people to admit, oh, I suck at these things. I cannot do these things if I do these things. I mean, I even made the comment the other day to the guy that I'm doing the writing room with, um, cause he was like, well, how do you want to handle, you know, like when we get to payroll, how do you want to handle payroll? And I'm like, oh, well, if you have me do payroll, we will go to jail for tax fraud. <laughs> Not because I will, you know, do anything illegal. I just won't do it. And he's like, oh, so I guess I am going to be handling that. And I'm like, if you don't want to go to jail, you probably want to, yeah, you probably want to do that. Um, so that was really my answer. Cause, and that is the honest truth of why I never did a podcast is cause I know I won't do all the stuff that comes along with it. I just, I don't have it in me. Yeah. So I have the same aversion to rote repetitive tasks, but I am really good at automating things. Mm -hmm. I, I, I am exceptional at creating automation, which just cuts down enormously on whatever I'm doing. 
you can't do that with audio editing, unfortunately, although you can do a lot of things with a workflow, but you still have to actually listen to everything. But that is the only thing that is unautomated now. <laughs> so <laughs> it takes so, me one hour a week. And I'm like, that's fine. I can do that. <laughs> completely sidetrack. Um, I haven't tested it out yet, but, you know, AI is infiltrating basically everything. And I do know that the new Adobe Auditions has incorporated an AI thing for just voice. So if you're a podcaster, if you're whatever, I haven't tested it out yet, but I'm actually kind of interested in seeing what that does. So the thing is, what that'll do, I think, is probably things like breath control, humming and so on, which already have a workflow. Right. Well, it also takes out, I mean, I watched a video on it. It also takes out like background noise and... Yeah, yeah. Um, but all of that stuff is the voice and right, yeah. which I have, you know, I have racks already yeah. set up and I have a flow through and it it doesn't take yeah. me long, which is kind of interesting that yeah. what it, took it, me long was the six months of learning yes. how to build that rack. <laughs> yes, that, that then, exactly. Like it has taken me ages to learn how to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the problem with that, even though I've got that rack set up, I can't use that for like your voice. Like, so when I was doing, when we started the match ball book, which we need to get back to, but we started the audio recording of that. My settings do not work for your voice. So I had to go through each one individually again. And then also remember, like, cause I set them up and saved them. And it's like, what was the settings on this and how to, and so adjust them so that your voice sounds just as good um, at the end of the process. So, you know, I'm actually still kind of excited. I, I think that, you know, if it does what I, what the video claims that it does, which it never does. But if it even gets close to that, um, that is an automated task that I'm going to be pretty excited about. And like I said, just a rabbit chase. Yeah, 100%. But yeah, so so I think that from a technical perspective, when we started, there was so much neither of us knew. Like I'd been running the YouTube channel for a couple of months at that point. So I had a fair idea of YouTube. But I'd never done a podcast. So, and it's a little bit of a different animal from YouTube. So the YouTube videos tend to be shorter, punchier with a definitive script because uh, people who are consuming a video on YouTube, that's generally like what they want from an informational video. But podcasts tend to be a little more rambling, a little less scripted, a little less tight. So there was that adjustment, but there was also the introduction. So when we started this, and I don't know if you're a very long time listener, you might remember this. We had this introductory segment, which was pre-recorded and was just us saying like, this is who we are, blah, 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 blah. And then we'd start with a podcast. But over time, looking at our podcast performance, we'd have people who drop off in the middle of that. Because they're like, yeah, yeah, I know, this is boring, you know, and and they drop off. So we moved away from that, and I cannot remember which episode we moved away from it, but at some point we moved away from it into the live introductions, which Drake clearly has still not mastered. (laughs) And I do want to say, you say we, I I had nothing to do with that. I don't even know. You know, you're just like, oh, I didn't know anything back then. I was just, when you were saying that, I was like, I still literally... I have no idea anything you do for this podcast. Like it just magically shows up. That's all it is. It's sort of like my laundry. 
my, I put I put my laundry in this basket and then it just shows up in the closet. It's it's really amazing. <laughs> um, so that's really I honestly I don't want to take any credit on this whole because you're the one that looks at that stuff. You're the one that makes those decisions. Okay. You're the one that I mean, it really has been all on you, uh, so, which I'm completely thankful for. So for anybody who's curious, there is a, a platform called Buzzsprout, which is where we host our podcast. So we we I upload the I upload the episodes to Buzzsprout and I upload the episodes to YouTube because YouTube doesn't integrate with Buzzsprout. But Buzzsprout then distributes the podcast to every other podcast platform. They distribute it to like a bazillion different platforms. So if you're thinking of doing a podcast, I can highly recommend Buzzsprout. It costs me $18 a month for our uploads. And I mean, we we have a uh, fairly substantial upload schedule, you know, in terms of like hours uploaded. So you can probably get a, I can't remember what their packages are, but $18 is not a lot of money, um, you know, and, um, and they then distribute it to a vast array of uh, podcast platforms, Audible, and to um, uh, what should we call it? Spotify Excellent. and iTunes and everything. Our biggest platform is iTunes. We get a lot of diet downloads through uh, through Apple Podcasts. Sorry, not iTunes. Apple Podcast is our single biggest uh, one, and. They so then aggregate all of the stats from those different platforms, which allows me to see these kinds of, of details and so on. So for the writer's room, um, I do have a, a room that lists out the podcast and it doesn't integrate. And so I was like, okay, do I manually get the links to every single episode and put the descriptions in that and i was like no i don't have time for that so i actually was i came up with a different idea where i was like well i'll just i'll just find some of these platforms and i'll just put links to the releasing your inner dragon podcast on that and so i got this list and i don't even know half these but you know youtube spotify apple podcast amazon music audible buzzsprout all those i was like yeah but then you know as i just kept googling this stuff you know googling releasing your dragon um i've got listen notes and podash and podbay and podcast attic and podtail and refonic and tune in and like i'm like i've never even heard of these things but they all had they all hosted releasing your dragon so i just made this this page for my members of the writer's room mm -hmm. That if they wanted to listen to my podcast, they have a list. And, and then I tried to just include, you know, quite a few of the podcast channels just in or platforms just in case. Oh, yeah, no, I do listen to Podash. I don't know what Podash is, but um, I'm sure it's Podash, Pod, I don't know. It's Pod and Ash. Um, yeah. But, you know, I just made this long list and I could have kept going even further than this because there were just so many. Yeah. But. I figured this was a good enough list. So, and I mean, you know, you, you should probably put Fountain on there since it's the uh, one we, we claimed on, on one of our listeners, very much insistence. Um, oh. Yeah. Fountain Podcasts. If anybody listens to us on there, we, we are claimed and you can stream ESATs to us, which is how you show your love for us on Fountain. Um, but... 
Yeah, so so Buzzsprout is basically my my go to platform, and then it pushes out to all of these other uh, associated platforms, and then I occasionally check on Apple specific stats and on um, uh, Spotify specific stats because they have some specific stats, and of course I check the YouTube stats because of course I, I check my own YouTube channel stats, and that gives me quite a lot of feedback on you know which episodes are doing well and which episodes have got the most kind of view time, you know, so people don't drop off it and so on. And that informs a lot of our decisions on what to talk about. So, for example, if you know, we, we get a lot of traction on writer's craft, which is why we do a lot of episodes on writer's craft, we get a lot of traction on things like how to do world building organically, how to show, not tell how to do characters and motivations, how to start a story, how to end a story. Those all get a lot of traction. And so we do a lot of episodes along those lines. It's just, you know, we go where the where the audience is. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess if, you, if you're going to self, whether you're going to self-publish or traditional publish, okay? because you even a traditional author can't just sit on their rear and do nothing for marketing. I mean, Brandon Sanderson has a YouTube channel and he broke a million bucks on, you know, Kickstarter. So for his book, like some enormous amount of millions. 40, 43 million. Yeah, some enormous amount of millions, you know. So you cannot just, even if you're traditionally published, even if you're huge, you cannot just sit and do nothing social media wise, right? Um or on a website, or some way of engaging with your fans. So if you're going to do something like podcasting or uh, YouTube channeling, something like that, then pick what you're going to talk about, get a good platform going. And then I guess the other big thing is from a technical perspective, you're going to need good sound. You can get away with almost any camera. Yeah, I have, I've got now a very fancy web streaming camera because I've started live streaming on my YouTube channel. Um, But before that, I was like, I had like a $20 webcam. It's not the camera that's important. The important part is the mic. So um, I have two mics, actually. I've got my big Shure mic, which is uh, quite an expensive uh, item that I use for my books and so on. And then I got this little... uh, YouTube, this little um, podcast camera, um, which is the first camera that I bought, uh, the first uh, microphone that I bought. And it has a good, clear sound, but it picks up a lot of the room. So I did a lot of research um, on that for, you know, because I actually bought this mic when I was recording the cartoon and I had actors coming into the studio and all that. And so that's where this one, and it wasn't that much. I don't think it was 250 bucks. Um, but it's an audio tech tectonics, um, and it was rated really high and I've been very happy with it. I mean, I've had it for, I, mean, I, I bought it, I think in 2019 mm. when I started, uh, working on that cartoon. So, um, yeah. And I use it for, for everything. And then, yeah, I just have a, a whatever the, what's the big brand of, uh, of webcams. It's like a 70, $80 webcam, yeah. whatever the, whatever. I mean, it's. I keep wanting to say Canon. I don't think it's a Canon. Um, just one of the big brand name brand yeah. ones. 
I have a I have a Logie. So, yeah. Oh, maybe it is. A, I think it is a Logitech. Yeah, Logitech. I think yeah. it is. Yeah, the only thing I really wanted because I do have weird paranoias is I I definitely wanted it to have a case <laughs> that I could close because I can't sit here even when it's off. I can't sit here and have the camera looking at me. It just feels really weird. Um, and so when I'm not recording, that case is closed and like. I'm so paranoid of it. And it's, it's a weird paranoia. It's not, I don't think it's like a, an insane thing of mine, but like every time I sit down the computer, I'm just in the habit now. I just reach up and just run my fingers across it. It's always closed, but I just do it as, as habit. Cause I don't know. Um, you get all those stories of uh, people hacking your computer and hacking your computer and then recording you. And like, I don't want you recording me when I don't know what's going on. What if I, what if I pick my nose or, you know, something like that? I don't, I don't want to take the chance of that. So, although yeah. I do think it's fun, you get the uh, you get the emails. I haven't seen one in forever, but I used to get a ton of spam of "Hey, so I hacked your computer and um, I recorded you while you were uh, looking at one of those nudge nudge wink wink naughty websites, and so you need to pay me money or release the videos." And I'm like, "So you didn't record me doing that, so I'm good." <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. You can release any videos you want because you didn't catch me doing that. Um, so. No. Now, yeah. So, and then um, just in case anybody is going onto YouTube or whatever, I still, to this day, I record my YouTube videos with my iPhone. And the reason why I record with my iPhone is because it has a 4K camera on it. And if you want to buy a 4K camera that isn't attached to your phone, that is an expensive, expensive piece of equipment. And all it does is take video. Whereas, you know, my phone can actually make phone calls as well as it doesn't, right. but it can make phone calls <laughs> as well as access the internet and take videos. Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing, um, so I've got two um Samsung, like an S20 and an S21, and the S20 is not hooked up to anything, so it just sits in a tripod, kind of up, and then I put the my normal one right here when I'm when I want high quality, and then I get two angles uh, to be able to record by, and then yeah. I can switch back and forth. Yeah. So yeah, don't uh, don't go out and buy a super freaking camera or whatever, unless you unless you have one, unless you are like into photography or whatever. Don't do that. Just yeah, but, but even for YouTube, I don't know if I would record in 4K. Streaming the stuff over, I mean, not saying that you mm. that, that you shouldn't. I'm just saying, me personally, yeah. no one cares about the quality of a talking head. Because that's all I do. I just make talking head videos. So I'm either doing writing classes, or I'm doing, you know, writing motivational stuff, or I'm doing writing critique stuff, or, yeah. you know, the podcast, the writing podcast. It's It's always just a talking head. So... You don't need to see every pore on my nose. It just, <laughs> you don't need it. And so no. I exclusively use this little Logitech mm. webcam for what you're seeing me on right now. Uh, but, and I think it's fine. The reason the reason why I use the, the camera on my phone specifically for the YouTube videos is because I green screen to mm. insert, um, to insert just my talking head onto the the writing boards and the higher quality of the phone makes the green screening smoother yep 
So that, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. And for those of you who are curious how to green screen, I bought two green sheets off Amazon and hung it up on a garden, on a, on a stock standard rail on one of my walls. That is a green screen. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah. Yeah. I actually have one. I've never used it because it's just annoying, but I actually have it sitting right there because I even tried to use it not too long ago, but it attaches to the back of my chair and it's like this big peacock. Um, oh my goodness. <laughs> and so the problem is, is I have this wall right here. And so I don't have this way. I've got unlimited space. So if I shift it all the way down, I could probably get away with using it. Um, and then, yeah, I have a full green screen kit. So there's my the corner yeah. of my green screen. It's literally just a um, yeah. You can get them off Amazon. They're um, cheapest chips, oh. and then you have a green. Screen. Just to make sure it is as flat as you could possibly make it. Um, when you have the the waves in it, those can cause you some grief in the editing phase. But I mean, even that they've yeah. gotten the keying down. Yeah, I use Adobe Premiere and yeah. even with the waves in it, it will it does a really good job of of getting rid of all that stuff. Uh, I use Cyberlink because it is literally a tenth of the price of the Adobe product suite. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and it does great on, on the editing side. So uh, I can highly recommend that if you're looking for an audio editor, which, you know, not just video, Audacity is free and amazing. Absolutely amazing. So, um. yep. Yeah, the reason why I use Adobe products is um, one, you know, I get a teacher discount on it, so it's actually very, very affordable instead of being whatever it is, like fifteen hundred dollars a year or something insane like that for the full thing. And it gives me everything. Yeah. Um, and I need it because I do so much in Photoshop. I do so much in After Effects for for animation. I do so much in. Um, um, InDesign for all my typesetting and everything like that. So since I have Premiere and I have auditions and I have all these other things, I just use all the Adobe products. Adobe made Adobe's price just made me cough. I was like, are you are you kidding me? Yeah. Because it was at a point where the channel wasn't my YouTube channel wasn't monetized. And I was like, I am absolutely not spending this amount of money. On a channel that makes no money right now, there is no money. right. <laughs> but the teacher, so. the teacher package is like three hundred dollars a year for everything. You get literally everything. Yeah. But I'm not and a I'm teacher, like, right? <laughs> so, yeah. So it just works out. Yeah. So yeah, so so I I can recommend Cyberlink. Um, it, it's pretty solid. It's got some good editing, and then uh, yeah, so. I guess that's from a technical perspective, but then as a writer, like this has been a different journey. So for me, when I, when I spoke to you the first time, I, I think all of our listeners are going to laugh now, but I swear I did not actually know what the difference was between active and passive voice. I am not a native English speaker. English is my second language, um, and I only ever did it as a second language. And I've never diagrammed an English sentence in my life. Um, so so I, I know that there are people who are like, it, it can't be true. I promise you it is true. It is not my native language. <laughs> so, 
which is why I have some strange pronunciation issues here and there. Which I don't even correct anymore. I just <laughs> let you go with it. <laughs> it is what it is. You know, I'm at, at this point in my life, I'm 40 years old. There are things that are never going to change. Right. So, um, but I, for me, the, the initial amount of learning through these podcasts was immense. Um, I learned what filtering was. I learned what active versus passive was and why active voice is better. I learned about a whole slew of writing craft things, like right along, I guess, with all of our listeners. Um, you know, the the how to do descriptions, how to make things personal to the character, how to write emotions. Emotions were, and probably to an extent still are, my biggest weakness. Like adding in enough emotions and not being repetitive on how I describe emotions. <laughs> I'm not a spy. I'm a human being, <laughs> um, and, and um, all of those uh, kinds of things is is still something that I'm working on. But yeah, m- my growth as a writer. If I look back at the first copy of of Hidden Blade and to where I am now, the difference is astronomical. Yeah, well, it's it's the reason why. And, and this is probably going to get me in a hot water, but it's the reason why I hate the world we live in where everyone just judges everything by superficial stuff. So in the beginning, I had some female fans that reached out to me and they were like, oh, you're just being the typical male chauvinist and you just won't let her speak at all. And she's all you. I'm like, yeah, I'm letting her speak as much as she wants to speak. And that's as much as she wants. It. I mean, because so if you watch over these hundred episodes, you become more and more and more vocal as you grew and I mean, because that was one of the things in the beginning, one of the things you had said was you wanted to do like a Drake podcast with you as like a student or whatever. And I absolutely flat out said, no, no. If we do this together, we are equals. You are an author. I am an author. And we will do I will do it no other way. And yet still, like I said, I had some women reach out to me and be like, ah, you know, you're just doing this thing I'm like no. Like if I'm the one that has the most to say on this topic, like like this episode is very heavy because <laughs> I don't know most of the stuff that you're talking about. And so I'm just going to sit here and nod and smile and, you know, because that's the way it should be. You you each one of us have different strengths and weaknesses and and the person with the strength should be the one that that kind of talks about it. So, yeah, in the beginning, um, I did talk. You know, if you go back and listen to those episodes, it's like 80 percent me and 20 percent you. But as you've grown as an author and as, you know, I've grown as a podcaster and like it just it's organically become what it is. But I don't think, you know, at least I don't feel that I did. I don't think I ever was like, you know, talking over you. I was always trying to encourage you to do as much as you were comfortable doing. Uh, No, I've never felt that you spoke over me. And I mean, I've had people say the same kinds of things. Like, he just talks over you. He doesn't let you speak, whatever. I'm like, but I don't have anything to say. I'm learning. Like, it's not something that comes naturally to me yet. When it does, believe me, like, I am a perfectly capable, competent speaker, but I'm not going to talk about something that I'm not convinced I understand. When that that is actually the heart of why I agreed to do this. 
So we had had a couple little meetings where, you know, I was kind of helping you out with your writing because I really did like the story and I liked where you were at and as far as the writing and all that. But the thing that impressed me the most about you was you were the first and only person I've ever worked with on a writing standpoint where I would say, okay, so basically it works like this, X, Y, Z. This is what you should think about. And then it was never seen again. Normally, people, you know, I'll go, okay, well, you you know, here's what filtering is. You shouldn't filter. This is why it weakens the writing. And then the next week I'll go, okay, you're still filtering here. Remember, this is what it is. And, and this is why. We, and then the next week it's okay. You're still filtering. And, and then like six months, eight months, a year down the road, it's like, oh, look at that. You're no longer filtering. How awesome is that? And that's just normal. That's everybody. That's me. That's literally the entire world. And just in those first couple of times we got together, you literally just absolutely absorbed and implemented the information like on a dime. And so I was just so blown away by that and so impressed by your ability to grow exponentially every step of the way that that's what made me go, yeah, I really would love to do something with you because that's an amazing, I, I don't have that trait. So, you know, that is an amazing ability. And so, yeah, like your growth through this as a writer, I mean, I read your stuff now and I'm just like, I don't know if I'm that good. <laughs> like, I'm serious. There's some things that you've written and there's some other things. Again, we, we've talked about a lot of this through Magic Falls. You know, you've already mentioned it. You're, you're definitely a lot colder and deader inside than me when it comes to emotions. <laughs> um, so, but I'm a bleeding heart, crybaby, you know, expose everything romantic. So like it's going to take a lot for somebody to catch up to me on that side because of the fact of how much I wear my heart on my sleeve. So, you know, but, but I have things, you know, that I'm working on as well. Everybody, everybody has those things that we're, you know, I mean, you even taught me something just recently that I talked about on, I think it was on one of my critique groups. I talked about it where I didn't realize. Yeah. So um, this person had given too much information about this thing. And I'm like, look, if you had held this back, it would have been so much, you know, better. And they were like, yeah, you know, I just, I know I give too much away and yeah, that's a good advice. Um, and I was like, it's okay. I give away too much too. And they're like, no, you don't. I'm like, actually I do. It was pointed out to me recently. Um, like, and so I talked about, you know, how, but then I said, but you give away nothing. You're like, you get nothing. And I'm like, that's not good either. You can't just give away nothing. <laughs> And so there's a balance in there that you have to kind of kind of work toward. But I mean, we're all working. I mean, that's the thing is every single writer. And I, I think that so this is old school Drake. This is something that 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 I realized before I was Drake that I always said that if I ever go down this path, I'm never going to do. And that is the I you get that new author and you read their first book and you're like, oh, this is actually pretty good. You know, this is this it's not great, but it's actually pretty good. And then they, you know, they hit New York Times bestseller, whatever. And then their next book is less, and their next book is less, and their next book is less. And by the time you get to the fourth and fifth book, they're just horrible writers and horrible storytellers. And I think that it has to do with attitude. They they are like, oh, well, I was a New York Times bestseller. So obviously I know everything and I'm perfect in every single way. And I think if you have that attitude, you'll just spiral down into just oblivion. Whereas if you're like, you know, I don't care that I'm, you know, everyone loves what I write. I still have so much to learn. You know, I still want to grow. I still want to do this. And I think that's the attitude that I've always had. And I think it's the attitude that you've always had. And I think that is the, 
the key to really being a successful writer. Absolutely. And I think like for me, one of the one of the things that I'm still working on and that I'm still learning from is like the tightness of plot and like and not just the tightness of plot, but where to give more information. Because like you say, I I write like a I I, I hold everything back like a miser deciding whether they're going to spend a dollar or not. Like I'm like, really am I gonna give you this piece of information? Look at it, look at it, look. No, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and and that's I mean, it's it's fine, <laughs> but there is a well, very fine balance of getting to the point where people actually don't understand what's going on because you haven't right. Well, and it took that contrast because until that contrast of working with you on Magic Fall. I felt that I was pretty much nailing that. And I, and I was. I mean, I still am really good. Um, but it was that contrast of I actually, you know, working with you showed me that I could pull back even a little bit more and it be more because that's what we're talking about here. When you do that, you're building drama, you're building suspense. You know, I've told this story before where I had a beta reader who read uh, a thing of mine where I introduced this big fighter dude. And and in chapter one, they're like, oh, you know, you have to have a fight in this scene. I can't wait to got you. You've got to rewrite this chapter. You got to he's got to fight in this chapter. And then in the next chapter of his, he gets into a fight, but it's only the end of a fight. I don't do the whole thing. And they're like, oh, this was great. This was awesome. But, you know, you got to rewrite this chapter and you, I, I got to see the whole fight. And I'm, you know, the whole time I'm just thinking to myself. You know, you're feeling exactly what I want you to feel, the desire to read that next chapter, because I'm not giving you full satisfaction. I'm giving you a desire to be fulfilled. So you're going to keep reading to get that fulfillment. And so that's what it is with with, you know, secrets and information and and all this other stuff. So, yeah, that was we're all working on things is basically the point. Yeah, I think to there. Like one of the things that I guess for me exemplifies my journey the most is we had just met, we just started doing the podcast. When you sent me the first 60,000 words of Genesis Oblivion, the, the, of the, of the edited, the, the new stuff. And I read them and I gave you feedback, but it was very, um, I would say, looking at that feedback now, I would say it was fairly generic. And the only thing that you'd actually asked me for was, do I feel, do I feel I'm missing a prologue? And I, and because I read the prologue at the end of that sixty thousand words, and I was like, no, I don't in any way feel that I'm missing the prologue. In fact, having read all sixty thousand words and then the prologue, I still don't think that the prologue adds anything right now. So I think you can easily cut it. And. And that was it. That was basically the the feedback. Yeah. Well, that's that's yeah. At that moment is when I was, you know, I'd written that prologue. I was very excited about it. Yeah. And then before we met, I started doubting myself because my my answer has always been, "Don't write a prologue. Mm. Prologues are worthless. You will do it wrong every time." And with this prologue. You know, I thought I was clever enough to go, okay, here's all the the bad reasons why people do prologues and and I can actually overcome that. And then at the end of the day, and I think I did as good of a job as you could possibly do. And yet at the end of the day, I was still like, it's still worthless. Like it still doesn't do anything. <laughs> like you still shouldn't do it. Like even even knowing the pitfalls of writing a prologue and all the ways that they're just dumb and don't do what you think they actually do. 
and paying attention to those and on purpose trying to avert those, I still couldn't avert them. I still couldn't get around them. So, yeah, that was when that time, and, you know, it's now cut. Um, although it, it's not cut-cut because it it just has more relevance later. And so, you know, they became epilogues or prologues of, of, of future volumes of that series. So, yeah, I'm, I, I'm still keeping my prologues on Sangwheel, but, you know, they're, they're short. They're like three, four pages. Um, and normally the villain's actions. So, right. <laughs> And because I don't write anything else from the villain's perspective. And really I'm talking about the prologue in that first book. Yeah. Because you haven't earned, you know, yeah. I talk about that all the time. You have to earn your loyalty of your readers. And yeah. in that first book, you haven't earned Jack. Yeah. So all of, I've always done prologues for like second books, third books, mm. and all of those. And I usually do the, what you're talking about, where they're written from the villain's perspective. but. The reality is, is when you when you really come down to nuts and bolts, you have not earned Jack. And that first prologue is always wrong. And if you're listening to this and you're like, no, I love my prologue. I promise you, it's not doing what you think it does. So uh, I, I will stick with my prologue. No, no, it's fine. But my but as I say, my prologue is super short. Yeah. Because it just it shows the death that kicks off everything else. And that's all. You you're in the head of the guy who's dying. Right. Um, so but that being said, when I looked at Genesis Oblivion the other night, when we were looking at punctuation marks, I had a lot more to comment on because I was yeah. like, mm, I don't like this. Mm, mm. And I yeah. think like it came it came home to me as well when I was looking at uh, the, the start of Genesis Oblivion and you like the, the one where it really hit me was you had had those words next to each other in the same paragraph and I was like you know if you just pressed enter and made each of those words stand alone all by themselves that would have an enormous impact and like and that was when I realized how much I'd grown not in my not in my terms of my own writing but in terms of looking at yours and seeing ways that it could be improved not rewriting it but areas where it could be improved right well, and that's that's a part of one of my Drakeisms, where you have to go through the five stages of editing grief, and that's why I say you have to edit other people's work, or you will not get better as a writer, mm. because you will always see you have to learn what the issue is, and you that's you know one of the steps, but then you have to be able to see it in other people's writing because you still won't see it in yours, you know you're just too close to that, but you're not close to other people. So once you learn this aspect that you know that is bad, you'll see it in other people's. But eventually, as you start catching other people's, it will bleed over and you'll start seeing it in your, your own. So I say you have to be a part of a writer's group. Um, shameless plug for joining the writer's room. Um, you There's a link down below, I'm sure. So you should think about that because if you want to grow as a writer, I will definitely. I mean, that's, that's the one thing. This is kind of funny. It's almost a commercial of how I can help somebody become a better writer. Um, so if you want to work with me on a weekly basis, I've launched a platform that literally allows you to work with me on a weekly basis uh, without paying my exorbitant um, private consulting fees or without having to start a podcast <laughs> with me and do all the work. Um, so much cheaper way to get that. But anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, that's and and that's what I've said. That's what I said. I'm not blowing smoke when I say when I read your stuff now, it is it is scary impressive. Like there's some things that I'm just, and again, plenty of things for you to work on, but I'm just saying 
just the the way you're writing now it's just beautiful and so yeah i mean and i'm i'm happy to you know that you feel like i had any impact on that at all i mean that's fantastic no i mean this podcast was my primary learning vehicle this this podcast was uh, so i've got a great editor who helped me a lot but an editor only gets you so far yeah. You you have to write fairly clean. Um, and then Critique Circle helped me a lot in terms of critiquing other people's work. But this this podcast singularly is where I learned basically my writing, my writer's craft skills. So if you are a listener who has also learned a lot from us, comment down below. Let me know what you think um, and what you've learned from us and how you feel that your writing has improved. I guess we should also talk about like we so we headed off in a lot of ways and that is despite the fact that we are in some ways very different people. Oh yeah. Um so I I am a I, I think in American terms I'm probably like miles to the left of any of you. <laughs> but that's that's a that's an artifact of living in Europe. So right. Europe, Europe's economic nature is far more left-leaning than than America's. Um, we we would see your left as kind of center-rightish in Europe. <laughs> um, but you know, and and we have had differences that we have discussed and occasionally gone like, okay, well, we have an irreconcilable difference, and we're going to walk away from the topic. Yeah. Yeah, because one of the things that you guys don't ever hear is um, several times, I mean, often before the podcast or after the podcast, we will start talking about a political um, thing or a social thing that we are very much on different sides of. And it will get heated. Um, but who cares? Yeah. Just because just because we have a different opinion doesn't mean that the other person is a bad person. It just means we have a different way of looking at the world. And we're the reason why we discuss it is we're trying to show the other person how we view the world. And sometimes... You know, one of us nudges or both of us nudge a little bit, you know, closer to the center. And and other times we're like, well, let's not discuss this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like we're obviously <laughs> we're obviously so entrenched in this belief that there's just no reason to discuss it. Um, so, yeah. And that's the other thing that I've because I can't have that with any of my my American people. If you're from America, if somebody disagrees with you, they're evil. And like. So that's one of the reasons why I probably talk with you more about politics and social things than anyone else on the planet, because you're the only one that I can actually just talk to and not have you go, well, you're just a piece of garbage human being and I'm never speaking to you again. And it's <laughs> like, man. So that's been a very nice thing that, you know, five years ago you could do in America. Yeah. Just you can't anymore. It's it, it's a, it's very, been very interesting from my perspective, because, of course, I have very little bone in a fight in with regards to American politics, you know, I mean, and we're not going to discuss Finnish politics because you have no bones in our fight and you wouldn't be able to read the news even if you did. But I find it <laughs> fascinating when you do go down that because it is so different. I mean, that's the other thing. It's not just politics. And yeah. I guess I should say this um, because the way we're talking about this, it makes me sound like I'm a, you know, right wing Trump <laughs> You know, whatever. I am I am also left wing when it comes to it. the way I describe myself is I am a social liberal, but a fiscal conservative. Um, 
I do believe that you should be able to, you know, have to pay for things. But I also believe we're one of the richest countries in the world. So we shouldn't have things like homelessness and poverty and all of that. So, you know, that's that's why I don't really have a political party, because both sides have things that are actually smart and both sides have things that are really, really stupid. So, you know, I don't want to I never like to say I'm in the middle because I'm not in the middle. I'm on the left on certain issues and I'm on the right on certain issues um, because I'm a firm believer and I'll just say this and we'll leave it at this. I'm a firm believer that if you believe 100% of a political side, you're not using your brain. You're indoctrinated because no one agrees with anyone. I don't agree with my wife a hundred percent of the time. Like no one will agree with anything. So if, if you find yourself like, Oh no, I'm left and I agree with 100% of everything they say and I disagree with 100% of everything the right says, then you're indoctrinated. You do not have a brain of your own because there, it doesn't, it's literally physically impossible to agree with everything and, dis, and, and, and both in what they agree with and what they disagree with. It's impossible. Nobody can do it. So, so I'll just leave it there. That that whole kind of mindset is, or, or that left, right, very strict right. left, right mindset is very much, I found, an English and American thing, and it's yes. dependent on your voting system. Because you yep. have a first-past-the-post system, you have to have two parties. You can't have any more than that. It's pointless, yep. right? And because in Finland and in most of Europe, we have representative democracies, we tend to have a lot more coalition governments. Now, coalition governments have their problems as well. I mean... Yep. Belgium will tell you they had no government for 18 months while they couldn't get a coalition hammered out. Like, right. <laughs> you know, but we have systems in place to deal with that. And sometimes the coalitions collapse, like the Netherlands. And then there's headlines like, the Netherlands government collapses. And then it's like, oh, right, no, no, that's what governments do in coalition. Right. And it doesn't mean they've actually collapsed. Because <laughs> if you ever read the news, the American <laughs> government has collapsed. Yeah all hell is going to break loose. Like, it's just, that's the the end of times. The Antichrist has shown up. Like, everything is going to be yeah. dead. Um, but that's but also yeah. been really interesting, is having a really good friend that is 100% a foreigner. Um, because that's another thing that that's, has been really interesting to explore, I think, at least from my side, and I think also from your side, yeah. of just growing up, in the cultures that we grew up in and how much it actually has shaped the way we view certain things and the way we, you know, the way we are. Um, so that's been also really enjoyable to explore with you. Um, you know, because it, you know, if you, if you allow yourself to actually not fight for your side, but just try to understand the other side, it, it's amazing of how much I've learned about what it means to be American by looking at what it means to be American through Finnish eyes. Yeah. Like, because I never did that before. I only looked at what, what it's like to be an American through American eyes. And so I only saw the one narrow view. And so by being challenged and being, you know, and to be challenged, it means you have to allow yourself to be challenged. Hmm. Like you have to be open to be challenged. And so you know, before we all started, I was just red-blooded American, you know, <laughs> that's, I'm American, that's what I am, and I never thought differently until we started really hanging out as, as good friends, because I mean, I've had tons of foreigners that are friends, but nothing like our relationship, yeah. um, and nothing with the openness that we have off-air, <laughs> not on-air, 
<laughs> Although this has been kind of more treading on the open side. Um, but yeah, so that's been really, really enjoyable as well through this podcast. It's just, I've never really looked at American living and American psychology through a completely foreign way of looking at, at my culture, which has been really cool. And I've it grown. Was, yeah. It, it was also, it was, it's been fascinating for me as well, because let me tell you something, America's culture as portrayed online, and it doesn't matter who, like it doesn't matter whether it's a right or a left person or whatever. The American culture that you see online is extreme. Okay? Right. It is either an extreme right-wing you know, person shooting and PS90 and telling you how amazing this rifle is that they're shooting 300 bullets out in a minute, or or it's like a a person that is so far left that even I'm like, um, I think you've fallen off a cliff there. <laughs> Yeah, that's that is funny. I, I didn't think about that. How many times I've said, "Look, I get that you think that we're like that, but there's literally no one in this country like that." Like, and you're just you're just like, "Oh no, everyone in your country is like this." I'm like, "No, literally, there's like this there's three guys in you know whatever in the mountains of the Appalachia, maybe that have that, but that's it. It's literally it. No one in America feels that way." So yeah, that's been funny too. Yeah. Um, kind of breaking those stereotypes because we're not as bad as you think we are. <laughs> no, no, no I, I mean, you know, one, one assumes I was, I was that the you hear the extreme. You, you, you hear the extreme, but right. But there are a lot of, uh, on, uh, you know, there's a lot of extreme online American yeah. uh, voices. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so that was also interesting kind of running into when you're like, oh, no, you guys are like this. And I'm like, Literally for 54 years, no one is like that. No one. So it is, that's been interesting too. But again, that's also me seeing my culture from an outsider's perspective and going, wow, I had, I mean, because you get that all the time. We, we have our own internal jokes where it's like, um, you know, how to, why do, why do foreigners hate uh, Americans? Because, well, when we're in the, when they're, when they're in their country with their language and we go, Hey, where's the bathroom? And they don't understand us. We just speak louder, you know, Hey, <laughs> like, because that's going to solve the language barrier. <laughs> so we pick on ourselves all the time for stupid stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, like I said, this, these hundred episodes have just been just from a personal level, from a professional level, from a from a friendship level, from a from a spiritual level, there's just been growth across the board. Just working with someone else this close on a weekly basis and and talking about these topics. Yeah, it's it's been it's been an amazing journey. And you know, when I when I came across for Comic Con, um, that was it was fantastic. It was fantastic to experience because I've been to America before but never I've never stayed with a local it's always been kind of hotels and and that kind of thing and I was under the firm impression that American food sucks yeah I was convinced of it because it didn't matter where I went like on which tourist recommendation everything tasted sweet there was too much food in every way possible 
And it all just, it was poor, everything was poor quality. I was like, but everything tastes bad, you know, even like, even like high quality steakhouses and whatever, it's not good. But then I learned like in the strip that America does have great food, but you need to like have local knowledge. Otherwise you're just, you're just going to end up in like the, the mass produced side of life. And it's just going to taste like crap. So Yeah. That's, that's the problem is, is that for the most part, America has gone um, big corporate. So when you go that route, you know, you're basically, it doesn't matter where, like you could, sure, you could eat one of the high-end chain steakhouses, but you're just eating McDonald's. It's the same thing. Um, So yeah, that's when you get into those mass produced, everything has to be the same. If you walk into, if you walk into a TGI Fridays in California or walk into a TGI Fridays in Florida, it's the exact same, same food, same everything. There's no, there's no difference. And to do that, yeah, the quality isn't always the best. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, I, I learned a lot about America from a local perspective on this trip that I'd never um, experienced before. Um, that was just, it was just very different from all my other American trips. From our perspective, I guess as well, like it was, yes, getting to meet you was amazing. And, you know, I'd love, I'm planning on coming back to America, not next year, year after maybe, and so on. You know, it was great to spend time in person, but it also wasn't like a, uh, I don't know, like a, you know, because, because we do spend an hour, at least an hour every week together, and we have done for two years. Yeah. <laughs> I said that to you when I picked you up at the airport. I said, I thought I was going to feel different about this, but it's just you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come the on, only, let's go. The only thing I learned was you had legs, and I had assumed that you had <laughs> legs. <laughs> True. And then I actually wear pants sometimes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was a funny thing, because I really did think that I was going to be, I don't know, I don't know what I was expecting, but I thought I felt like when I picked you up from the airport, there'd just be this weird new thing. Yeah. And it was just like, oh, look, there's Marie. Let's go <laughs> get in the car. I was just like, I was sure there was going to be it was going to feel different. It was going to be like a thing. And then I was like, oh, no, no, I duck its track. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, you know, that's that's a reflection of something that I think is still just amazing of the world we live in that we've become as good of friends as we would have been had we lived in the same town. And yet we live literally on the opposite sides of the world, literally. And there's no way we could have ever met before the internet, not a chance we would ever even accidentally run into each other. So that is, we live in an amazing time for stuff like this. And with, with the video and, and even like, I don't think like, you know, you hear the stories I'm older than you, but back when I was uh, younger, you have the stories. I never did it, but you had the pen pals and it was like, oh, we really got to know each other or whatever. And, you know, you get that heartwarming story that 20, 30 years down the road, they actually meet in person and it's this big thing. But you also hear the stories of, oh, yeah, no, I, you know, I fell in love with this, this girl um, and she was all this way. And then I met her in person and her name is actually Jim and she's in jail and she's, a you know, in there for for serial murder. And it's like, right. You can say anything you want in, in a letter. Whereas, you know, with the video conference that we have now, it's instant. I mean, there's almost no lag. There, there is a little bit of lag, but it's it literally is not even noticeable now. 
It's not like speaking to somebody on Mars where it takes 17 minutes for the communication to get back and forth. So yeah, it's, it's amazing to yeah. live in the time that we live in. And, and it would not, I mean, it would not have the same effect with just voice either. Mm-hmm. Like it's really the video, the video yeah. changed everything. And and I even like so we last night during the podcast, some people had some um quality issues on their um not on the podcast, on the critique uh, group that I did, um, had some quality issues on their bandwidth. And so we all turned off our video. And then it gets to me and I'm I'm critiquing this one person who I've, you know, he's been with me for a couple of years now. And I basically said, this is literally the weakest thing you've ever brought. This is this is your worst. Like you've taken such a huge step backwards and I can't see his face. And so it's like now I'm I'm stuttering and I'm like now I'm, I'm not trying to be mean or anything like that and I I caught myself just like over trying to compensate cuz I can't see him. You know, I just see a picture of him, you know, in the window. And so yeah, the 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 being able to see people and those facial expressions. And we've talked about this before about writing, you know, dialogue and prose. Only about 70, 70% of what you get from a conversation is the words that people say. The other 20, 25% is facial expressions, body language, gestures, all of those things. And so those are very, very important to human conversation. In fact, um, there's a there's a study that says when it comes to emotional communication, not obviously not word communication, don't misquote me here when it comes to emotional communication only seven percent is the actual words the rest of the emotional content all comes from body language your tone of voice your expression that kind of thing yeah obviously the words sarcastic in email (laughs) yeah yeah obviously the words still communicate you know that what you're saying like as i say like that seven percent figure is related to emotional content so yeah. something to think about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this had nothing to do with writing. Um, we talked a lot about just the journey. Um, I mean, it was a hundredth episode. That's that's pretty amazing. And I, I never thought And we and we wrote a book together. We yeah. wrote a book together. Like that's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, this has just been it's been a wonderful experience. I hope you guys have enjoyed, you know coming along this journey with us i hope that you've also learned a few things but but yeah i mean this has just been i don't know if this is going to be a popular episode but i just both of us felt like we should just talk about just kind of we've never really reflected on the journey we just did it we just do it week after week after week and and that's really it um we have time before the podcast and after the podcast, we talk about personal stuff, but you know, we still have never really reflected on everything that we've gained from each other and the, how the relationship has impacted each one of us and, and all of that. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. Yep. I think that that is a good place to end our hundredth episode and we will see you soon for 101. Bye.